Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. Crow of the cock there. Your Angla Barak fell in love. I thought she was a cold fish, dispassionate and devoted only to Manon. I mean, she killed her own mentor and lover and seduced and enabled the death of her own university tutor without even batting an eyelid. I figured she was a, well, I figured she had a, a heart of stone. Ah, well, what you say was true of Angla during that period. However, my mother said that this was not always the case, though, and when she was younger still, she was far more passionate and hot-blooded. It was her indoctrination into the cult that changed her, but it was yet another member of the cult that would melt her heart and return her to her former self, although it left her with the uh, deep loathing of the shark god Stromfels that you've probably noticed. Anyway... Engler told the tale like this. Noon, after getting as far east as we could upon the Sea of Claws, the captain of our ship, the Ursine Boatman, uh, this was before my stint on the Flying Hellfish, by the way, decided that we had followed in the footsteps of Odral long enough, and it was time to return to Marienburg. I, I tried to convince her otherwise, but Captain Redmond was a stubborn woman. But in hindsight, I'm glad she was, although many was the moment I cursed her name. Uh, that was before I met my love. The sea was frothing and angry as we started upon the return voyage, yet we persevered. Lightning tore across the sky. We saw the dark shapes of worm and beast cut their way through the crashing waves, and the laughter of Stromfels roared behind every thunderclap. The conditions worsened, and it drove us closer and closer to the northern coast of Osland. We weathered the storm, although we suffered a great deal of damage for our sins. But eventually, the weather improved, and we finally thought our troubles were over, not knowing that the worst was yet to come. Once more, we were assailed as a sudden squall 
ripped up our sails and almost sank our dilapidated vessel, leaving us at the fate of the tides and currents. Fortunately, the flash storm was short, and we began our repairs immediately upon its passing. But it was the very sound of our hammers and saws, and the sea shanties that we sang to keep our spirits up, that brought the doom of the behemoth upon us. Oh, my goodness, the behemoth! My grandpapa told me of that beast. Oh, the behemoth? What's that then? Ah, I think Heinrich actually means the behemoth. And it is a legendary creature known to all who roam the oceans. Oh, yeah, yeah. My grandpapa said it was a white whale, larger even than the greatest of the gigantic three-pointed baleen whales. Ah, and, uh, well, I have hunted more than a dozen of those in my time, and I can tell you they are truly gigantic. Far longer than the whaling boat upon which we hunted them. Ah, anyway, as I've got your attention, perhaps it's also worth mentioning that this uh, behemoth is sacred to the cult of Manan because of the uh, white, trident-like mark upon its head. Not that this uh, fact helped Engler in any way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandpapa also told me that the uh, Besimos is uh, one of the monarchs of the sea, a relic from a lost age, although I uh, do not quite know what he meant. Ah, I suspect he simply meant that it was very old. Ach, just now, wait, wait, yet another crow of the cock there. Let me just see if I can get this right. It's just like a big whale then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, no, no. For a start, they say it has a gigantic single horn projecting from its head, much like those of the unicorn. Also, its teeth, its teeth are huge. My grandpapa said that each was over six feet long and sharp as an elf blade. He also said that its hide was marked and crisscrossed by scars, and that a hundred broken harpoons lay embedded in its back. Ah, yes, indeed, I have heard the same. But, uh, well, anyway, it was this monstrosity that the repairs on Englebrack's boat had summoned forth. Noon, we had released our anchor not so far off the rocky coast of Osland. The sun was out, yet a sea mist clung to the waters. Above, the seagulls were singing the praises of Manan, and all seemed well. When suddenly, they stopped, and all became eerily silent, apart from the roar of the sea. I noticed a flicker of movement in the water off stern, but it was already too late.
The beast came at us from below, its horn tearing through the ship and skewering us in our aft, right through the captain's quarters. But such was the damage already inflicted on our boat that it could take no more and cracked in two, causing the bow and the greater portion of the boat to be flung onto the nearby rocks beyond the reach of the behemoth, whilst the stern remained impaled on the creature's horn. Captain Redmond, trapped within. It circled our stricken shipwreck, swallowing whole both the dead and the living who remained in open water. But it could not reach us on the rocks, and soon, in frustration no doubt, it dove back beneath the waves leaving the members of our crew who had survived the attack, few that we were, to our grim fate. There was no escaping the facts. We were going to die here on this lonely, isolated rock. The captain was gone, and the survivors turned to me for leadership. I was near despair. When suddenly, words of Odral came to my lips, unbidden. Let faith oust fact. Let fancy oust memory. I look deep down and do believe. And what do I believe? I believe we will survive this. And that was when the miracle happened. And my own saviour came for me. The sea mist that had clouded our view suddenly cleared and we spied the shore. I pulled out my telescope that had somehow survived the attack intact and scanned the nearest part of the beach. As I did, I saw a bearded man, likewise staring at us through his own telescope. And no mere man for by his blue-green garb he, too, was a priest of Manan. I then watched in surprise as he tore off his robes, lashed a rope he was carrying to a boulder, gripped the other end between his teeth, and plunged into the sea, as naked as the day he was born. I did not want to wait to be rescued, though. The rope he was carrying would surely not be long enough to reach us if he intended to help. I got my fellow sailors to search the wreckage for our own ropes and barrels, which we duly found. We tied one end to a large, jagged rock, and the other to a barrel, and hurled it into the sea. I too then stripped down to my undergarments, and dove into the cold, Oslan waters after it, pulling myself along the rope to reach the barrel. I can swim, of course, but I'm no swimmer when compared to uh, many. Some of the others quickly followed suit, and together we were able to propel and steer the barrel. I'll admit I was struggling in the icy water, though, and so the others shoved me on top to give them directions. By now, the naked man from the beach had reached a boy that was out off the coast, a simple floating barrel painted red, tied to a stone on the seabed. 
he lashed his own rope to the boy before I caught his fiery eye. He wasted not a moment and swam for us, his powerfully muscled body cutting through the waves like a harrow over tilled soil. He soon reached us, and I guided us all back to the boy. From here, we were able to tie all of the ropes together to create a lifeline all the way from the beach to our wrecked ship, and, by sunset, our saviour, a man whose name we learnt was Harold Redson, a high priest of Manan, no less, had personally helped every one of the survivors reach the shore. That evening we sat on the beach in front of a roaring bonfire, eating what food we'd salvaged from the ship, drinking the rum and grog that had survived, and giving praise to manna. Redison and I talked and talked until near dawn even as my shipmates fell into slumber. Oh, yeah, my goodness, what a rescue story. What happened next? I can almost taste the romantic potential. Aye, well, uh, maybe. Maybe.